0: chapter 4 is where we're going to be tonight. James chapter 4. I have several messages with me. If you would ask me 10 minutes ago, I might not have been able to tell you, though I was leaning this way. I, I can't think of anywhere else I would rather preach when I have to preach outside of my own church in the Wooden Valley. I love this place. I grew up here. But I hate preaching out because I don't know what to preach. I must look at 100 messages every time I preach out. Um, It's easy when you're at home, and I'm just preaching verse by verse through the book. Whether I want to preach it next or not, the next verses, that's what we're going to preach. So I hope this message is a blessing to you. I just finished the book of James, and this really impacted me. And if you would stand for the reading of the Word of God, I'd appreciate that. James chapter 4. There's a lot of good stuff here. Since I don't have the time to go through the entire book with you, I'll just give you the idea behind the book of James, so you know why he's addressing this. James is about real, living faith. Faith that doesn't just say, faith that takes action, right? Be uh, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. He covered that in the first half of the book, right? Faith. Uh, uh, James is about a faith that's real. That's the only kind he ever saw. Jesus lived in his home. What Jesus said he did. The, the faith that Jesus displayed was not a farce. It was not a facade. It was always the real deal. And if we claim to be people who live by faith, then it ought to be no different. The faith we live out ought to be real. The things we say, we ought to live by. And so as James is going through some different scenarios, some points in our lives that should demonstrate some evidence that we are living by faith, he comes to these verses and he says this. Verse 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? So the first thing he says here, he says, look, if you claim to believe in God, do what he says. You see that? do what he says in regards to the law. And then he goes on, he says, Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanisheth away. For he ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. There are two titles of this message. The first and most detailed (laughs) would be, Why Presumptuousness and a Life of Faith are Incompatible. That's the title. If that's too much of a mouthful, then the title is Do Right Now. Do right now. All right, let's pray, and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your word. Bless the preaching of your word. Help me, Lord, to deliver this in a way that everybody needs. Lord, I love this church. My roots are in this church. But I'm not here to know what people need. Only you know that. So, God, I pray that you would help me in the preaching tonight, that every heart could hear, could understand, and apply what is said. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Why presumptuousness and a life of faith are incompatible, or do right now. Four years ago, I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip to visit Burton Gates. You guys know Burton Gates? Man, what an incredible ministry he has there in Philadelphia. After we spent some time there, we were determined to go to Washington, D.C. We're in that part of the country. I had my son Elijah with me. <clears throat> so we made plans to go down the, the mall, right, and visit the Smithsonian Institutes. They have several there. And, and uh, the, the memorials, man, the Vietnam Memorial. I, I don't know anyone who can, who can go and soak that in without being deeply moved by it and same with the Lincoln Memorial and the others there. So we we're very excited to go and <clears throat> we picked a day to start. we got there early, showed up on the mall, parked a car and eight o'clock in the morning we, we turned the street to go to the first building and it was the rotunda of the National Archives Museum. Now, I wasn't prepared what was there. I just knew it was one of the buildings we needed to see. There's so much history there. There's so many cool things. So I, I didn't know exactly what was there, but we went in there. And obviously, it's the, the name of the building kind of describes what's there. It's the National Archives. And so we walked in, and we walked into the rotunda. And right there, first thing in the morning, I walk up to the Declaration of Independence. Independence. My mind exploded at 8.30 in the morning. I'm like, I'm looking at the Declaration of Independence. And it's right there. The Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. Written across the top. And it says, as you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's 830 in the morning. I'm getting choked up. I'm looking at the Declaration of Independence. I take another step, and it's the Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, Establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our uh, posterity to ordain, uh, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. Now I'm crying. (laughs) I'm overwhelmed by the men who wrote this and what it costs to write such documents. And then I come to the Bill of Rights. And I begin to read down and the First Amendment. The First Amendment ought to speak to every person in this room. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. I'm telling you what, man, sitting there in the rotunda of the National Archive Museum and reading those things and realizing over 200 years later, I am benefiting from the wisdom that these men displayed when they wrote those things down. It moved me deeply. I have the freedom to do what we're doing tonight and to freely preach. As it says there, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And unlike as it has been twisted and distorted and presented today, that is not a means to control or to damper religion, but to keep the government's hands completely off of it, to give religious liberty to do what we're doing tonight unhindered. Those are glorious documents. Recently I've been reading, I just finished a book by uh, David McCullough, 1776. I'm reading uh, Ron Chernow's book on, uh, I read uh, uh, Alexander Hamilton and, and now on George Washington. These men took their lives into their hands to form what we know and enjoy today. And you know, after thinking on this and on these things... I realized that I am a constitutionalist. As one scholar said, constitutionalism is, quote, the principle that the authority of government derives from and is limited by a body of fundamental law. Now, you need to let that sink in because that is a, a very powerful statement. Let me say that again. The principle that the authority of government derives from and is limited by a body of fundamental law. Government is not out of control. It is controlled by laws. I am a constitutionalist. As stated in the dictionary of the history of ideas, the central element of the concept of constitutionalism is that political society, uh, in political society, government officials are not free to do anything they please in any manner they choose. They are bound to observe both the limitations on power and the procedures which are set out in the supreme constitutional law of the community. I know this is a mouthful, but friend, you need to listen to these words. Listen to this. It may therefore be said that the touchstone of constitutionalism is the concept of limited government under a higher law. Limited government under a higher law. That is constitutionalism. That there is government, but it is limited by a higher law. I am a constitutionalist. And as a Christian, it's not hard to understand why. Right? I wonder if there's anything similar in the way we operate. Limited government under a higher law. I believe all mankind live in a state of limited self-government under God's higher law. As God's law is the supreme authority over all mankind, our Constitution is the supreme authority over all America. Would you agree? I mean, that's kind of how our founding fathers set it up. That is how we operate today. That's, we are a constitutional government. That's the way it's supposed to be. Thus... When anyone presumes to be above the law and disregards the Constitution as a document to be manipulated for personal benefit or to enact unconstitutional laws for their own benefit, i got a real problem with that. I believe that what was put in place by our founding fathers was of supreme value because I am a constitutionalist. I don't believe government can supersede the Constitution and use it for their own benefit. We're in trouble when they do that. I, I, think, I think I'm in a crowd where you understand and agree that's, that's an important issue. That is a very important issue. <clears throat> the Constitution is not a living, breathing document that is meant to be reinterpreted to say what you want it to say. Now, we could stop right here and talk about a lot of points that people have their ire raised over where the Constitution is changed to say what people want it to say. We can talk a bit about judges that legislate from the bench. We can talk about the hot top topic buttons such as gun laws and things of that nature where it would appear uh, to some that government is superseding the Constitution and what is in the Bill of Rights to... Dictate what they want it to say. Do you understand? Anytime that happens, a, a true patriot of America who believes in those founding documents, who believes in the ideals upon which we were founded, would have a problem with that. Right? I really don't like it when people speak evil of our Constitution and make themselves self appointed judges of what it should and shouldn't mean. So I think it's safe to assume that we all agree no one is above the law. No one is above, even our own president. I, I do appreciate many of the decisions he's made. He needs to remember he is not above the law either. Everyone is underneath the law. Otherwise, there is anarchy. I, I don't mean to have a history lesson. You've got to help me out here, all right? I am going somewhere with this. I'm about to drop the mic, all right? But you got to stay with me. I need to know that you are connected. We're like firing in all cylinders here. This is really important. I, th- th- what moved me when I walked into that national rotunda and saw those documents is that they're the only ones of their kind that have existed for so long Nations have risen and fallen on inferior constitutions and documents that could not support a society. It is the grace of God that we have what we have in this country. It makes me want to protect it. It makes me really irritated when people want to supersede it. And I think I'm preaching to a Sunday night crowd where you might think similarly to me. Okay, okay. That's what I thought. I got a problem when people want to claim authority over it. But the same would be true of our faith in God. Can I say this? Can can we justly say that we have faith in America and in the same breath disregard its constitution and presume to be above its laws? Oh, man, I I love America. I'm a patriotic person. I have faith in America. But I'm presuming to be above its laws. That wouldn't even go together. Right? That, That doesn't fit. But the same would be true of our faith in God. Now, listen. Can we really say we have faith in God and then, the same breath presume to live like we know better than him? No, I don't think so. To presume, <clears throat> to presume to live like we know better than God is to live a faithless life. Would you agree with that statement? To presume... To live like we know better than God is to live a faithless life. It is to have a faith that isn't genuine. Nothing more than a religious facade. Now come on. We get really up in arms over politicians or others that claim to be serving the people and put themselves above the law they say they serve. That irritates the fire out of most Americans Well, then how can we as Christians then say that we are followers of Christ, that we live by faith, and then presume to know better than God? It doesn't work that way. You see, presumption has a way of manifesting a faithless life. A life that claims faith but isn't genuine. Well, how? In what way? How does presumption manifest a faithless life? In what way would that be? Well, here's a good way. When we are presumptuous over God's law. Here, here's an example. So he doesn't cover all of God's laws, but he does highlight one in James chapter 4, verse 11. Here's, here's a law of God. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Don't speak evil of one another. Is that a law of God? It is. Is it a good law? It is. Was it made by the great lawgiver, our Savior, our Creator? Yes. It was. Do you speak evil of others? <laughs> well, wait a minute. It's amazing how sensitive we Americans can be over protecting our Constitution and Bill of Rights and at the same time be so desensitized to profanely disregarding God's law. I hate to say it, but among many American Christians, we can be more concerned about the Bill of Rights than we are about the Ten Commandments. We can get more upset over our gun rights than we are about not speaking evil one of another. To do so is to presume to be above God's law. And it is to demonstrate a life that is nothing more than a facade. Fake. Not real faith. So speak not evil one of another. It doesn't really take a lot of let me tell you what it means in Greek. Don't talk evil of one another. <laughs> it's not a lot of interpretation needed. It means don't slander. It means don't talk down. It means don't judge motives. Speak not evil one of another. Now, just to clarify, I suppose I should clarify. Because some would say, see, we can never say anything negative about anyone else. And, and some would use this as a cop-out to say, we should never judge. Don't judge. Now look, we ought not to judge. But as I have always told our church, <clears throat> we have no right to judge where God has not judged, but we equally have no right to withhold judgment where God has already passed it. You have no right to withhold judgment where God has already passed it. To do so is to make yourself the lawgiver. It is to tell God, I feel this doesn't need to be expressed right now. You have no right to do that, not if you are a person of faith. Yes, you have no right to judge others where God is not judged. You have no right to judge motives. Because God has not passed judgment on people's motives, not until we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But you equally have no right... To withhold judgment where God has already passed it. Amen, Pastor. So what does this mean? How would you speak evil of others? Well, Job's three friends were a great example. They spoke evil of Job. And they they did it with good intention. And to be honest, I can't read that without thinking I might have done the same. I'm so glad the Bible wasn't being written when I was alive. Because I might have been in that number. Because they waited for a good long time. And when they gave their advice, they gave it with the best of intentions. But the problem was they were judging the motives of Job. And God got in that mess and said, You are out of place for judging my servant Job. That is to speak evil of someone else. Well, why is that wrong? Why is it so wrong? Well, look at the rest of the verse. It says, He that speaketh evil of his brother and Uh, Judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, uh, uh, but a judge. You become the self-appointed judge of what God said. you understand? It says there in verse 12, There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Who do you think you are to put yourself in the place where you can determine... What ought to be kept and what doesn't have to be kept in God's law. Do you understand? Don't speak evil of God's law. Don't speak evil of your brother because what you're doing is demonstrating you know better than God. He alone is omniscient. He alone is the one who knows what ought to be said and what ought not to be said. And in his omniscience and in his wisdom, he made this command in his law Speak not evil one of another. Friend, this is one command. God filled the Bible with things that we ought to heed and to do and to follow. You can pick any one of them you want, they're all the same. Don't decide in your heart, well, you know, it's okay in this situation or in this situation it's okay. To do that, to live presumptuously, to presume over God's law, is to demonstrate to the world, I don't really believe in God. I don't really believe in Him. I'm not living a life of faith where I trust what He says because I'm going to presume to know better than He because He said don't do it and I'm going to do it anyway. Well, I'm only sharing this with my spouse. I'm only talking to my parents about it. It's just me and my best friend. Well, look, I'm not trying to hurt them. I just need to do it for my own benefit. I just need to, it's not that big of a deal. Who gets to decide whether or not speaking evil of somebody else is a big deal? Is it you? Or is it God? If it's God, and you speak evil of a brother or sister, and you justify the reason why, friend, do you see what's happening here? You're putting yourself above God's law. You're saying, I know better than God. I know what he said, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And to do so is to judge that you're better than the lawgiver himself. How can we then say, oh yeah, I trust God. I am a person of faith. And not obey his laws. Three questions we should answer before indulging in criticism of others. Ask these questions What good does it do your brother? What good does it do yourself? What good did it do for the glory of God? Are you. Are you really bringing God's glory by circumventing His command? We are not living by faith while we presume to know better than God's law. Whether it's this one or any other, friend, there are a lot of laws. He's just—he the, the, James is just using this one as an example. Why? Because it's one of those areas we presume to know better than God. We can walk out. Now I don't, I don't, I don't know how this church operates, but I bet you you got sinners in here like I have in my church. And even before we can even get to the car, we can be out, like out in the hallway. We can be at the nursery in the fellowship hall, heading to the car, and then just stuff starts coming out of our mouth. Did you hear what they said to me? Oh, okay, now. Pastor's not here, so I bet you I I I'm gonna not speak evil of him. I gotta be careful here. But I bet it might have come up. He preached so long now I'm not done yet, so you don't know how much I am like my dad or not, so <clears throat> well I know, but I'm just discussing it with my wife. Or my best friend. Did you hear what she said? Okay, you understand what I'm saying? We can justify this all day long till we're blue in the face, and we can say, well, I didn't really mean anything by it. Time out. Are you a person of faith or not? Does the law of God mean anything to you? Are you above the law or not? If you're not above the law, friend, it's a sin to do that. Well, I know, but... I just, need to, I, just need to, I just need to get this out and, you know, uh, just, just, I'll make it real quick. No, friend, do right now. Do right now. Now, now to, to know the right thing to do and to not do it, it's not just faithlessness. What is it? It's sin. It's a sin against God to say, I'm above his law. I'll do what I want to do. I'll say what I want to say. Don't do that. When God says, lust not after her beauty in, in her heart, in your heart, in, 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 in Proverbs, men or women, if you do that and you engage in that and say, yeah, but everybody does it. Well, then what you're doing and you're saying the law of God is here and I am here. I'm going to place myself above God's law because I know better. And it's really not as bad as he says, thou shalt not lie. How about let's take that one. Yeah, I know, but there's just certain times you've got to do that in order to move up the corporate ladder or whatever it may be. Friend, either it is a law of God or it is not. And if you presume to be above the law, you're above the lawgiver himself. And there's no way you can claim to have faith in God and live that way. That is to live a false faith. It is to have a facade. And before I run out of time, he gives another area where we show a lot of presumption. In the future. It says, go to, uh, go, go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, And continue there a year, And buy and sell and get gain, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, Then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, And do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. You know another area where we presume to be above God's law? When we're presumptuous over God's future. Presuming to be above God's law is not The only area we presume our way through life apart from faith. We also don't live by faith when we presume to know better about the future. And we do this all the time. I was telling you, I was reading uh, 1776 and uh, uh, some other historical uh, books about early America. And there was a group of people known as the Tories. And the Tories were those who were loyal to the crown. But it, during the time of the Revolutionary War and, and, and all that took place, it, it, it would be that uh, the, uh, uh, the Americans would, would head into a town, the soldiers under Washington would head into a town, and they would be received by a town because that was the current army. And then <clears throat> later on they would find that in that same town there were people loyal to the crown who would go and tell the British their position and their condition and, one of the most famous is Benedict Arnold, who converted to the enemy. And now it's, now it's like a derogatory term uh, to say you're a Benedict Arnold after, after that uh, general. And, and, and so there was a, a big problem in early America because there were a lot of people who claimed before America but were actually for Britain. And what they did, they, they hedged their bets against the future. They kind of weighed it out and said, you know what, I think the British are going to win. So I'm going to be a supporter of them when they're in town. And, of course, that that hampered the war effort, and that hampered our our pursuit of liberty. But the same is true, listen, if if God claims to be in control of the future, does he? He? He does. He claims to be in control of the future. Then when we live contrary to that claim, We presume that he's not actually in control. You've got, uh, as the Tories did, they they claimed to be for America, but the way they lived was contrary to the cause of freedom for our country, and so they became known as Tories. It was a, a derogatory term, because they didn't actually live like the future belonged to America. And if we claim that we trust God and we believe that he holds the future and we sing about it. I know who I don't know uh, much about tomorrow. I can't think of the words of the song, but he holds tomorrow. All right? He holds tomorrow. We sing about it. We talk about it. But then if we begin to make our plans that don't include him... Friend, we can say God holds tomorrow all we want. (laughs) Till we're blue in the face, we can say we trust God with our future. But if your calendar has nothing to do with God and having him as a priority in your life, you don't actually believe he controls the future. You believe you do. James is not against planning, by the way. He's not against having a plan. He's not against... Preparation, Proverbs talks about going to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. He's not saying we shouldn't have any plan, just roll the dice every day. No, but he's talking about that presumptuous pride that assumes I am in control and I call the shots and I'm going to determine what my life will look like. Friend, you don't control your life. You don't even control the air you breathe. You don't know what holds tomorrow. Your life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. I was going to have the sound guys play a clip, except you'd have to know Ron Johnson a little better than what you might. I baptized Ron right over here. I baptized him. I baptized him right before he died. Man, Ron had been coming to our church for years He had already been saved. He was an ordained Pentecostal preacher. That day I baptized him, I don't even know if I mentioned it. One guy I baptized was an Anglican pastor, and the other guy I baptized was an ordained Pentecostal preacher. It was a pretty awesome day. And Ron had made plans to retire. He loved his wife. I'd never seen a man love his wife like he did except for, uh, for, for my own dad. I mean, he, he loved his wife. He loved Valerie. And they planned a beautiful retirement home in Gig Harbor. And, and, and they met up with a good church down there. And they were going to retire and move out there. And four months before they moved out, four months, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And four months later, he died. He got to spend one night in that home that he built. And now Valerie has this beautiful home. She's such a sweet lady and she's all alone. By herself. That's no fault to Ron that this is not something to say, look what he did wrong. I'm telling you, you can't know the future. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what's around the corner. I didn't know that on March 9th, 2018, that I would get a call from an oncologist that would say, I looked at your wife's numbers. I need you to drop everything you're doing right now and go straight to the emergency room. I didn't know my wife, two days after her 38th birthday, would be diagnosed with leukemia. I didn't know that the doctor would tell me as I sat there, told my wife and I as we sat there uh, uh, getting chemo within 45 minutes of showing up at the hospital, that he said, if you hadn't come in, I don't know how long you would have had. You might have had a month or two. You might have had a week. But your blood was so thick, it was like sludge. You would have dropped dead of a heart attack before the cancer ever took your life. A week? What is your life? It is even a vapor. And then we talk about living for God. Hey, are you going to be at church? I don't know, for, for the revival? Uh, I, I'm busy. Not, not, don't get me wrong. I, people are busy. And there are things we genuinely cannot get out of. But are you busy because that's the way you planned it? Or does your, is your life actually controlled? by Does he hold tomorrow? L- look, <clears throat> what you ought to say is, if the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. No, that's actually exactly what the text says. Yeah. Only if the Lord wills. Do you know what that means when it says, if the Lord wills? That means if you got up this morning and you did this, if you did that, if you woke up and you breathed, God wills that you be here, friend. God wants you here. You actually get another day on this earth because there is a creator who loves you and has a purpose for your life. So then to say, I'm going to live the way I want to live, I'm going to do the things that I want to do, says I don't believe in him. It says that I have no faith that God actually holds the future because I'm going to plan it for me because I hold the future. An opportunities come to serve, you know, you know look, I, my, my, my life's too busy. <sighs> Are you living your life the way God intended you to live? Are you breathing in air, his air, and living each day that he gives you the way he intended? Or did you make those plans based on the assumption that it's your life and your future? I don't mean to get so preachy but I do <laughs> because it's what the text says that's right, that's right. and here's kind of the point without even thinking about it us Christians sometimes we can get presumptuous about life yeah. we go to church we, we hear I mean I, I said it a minute ago thou shalt not lie no I, I guarantee you no one's in here is like what that's actually a command <laughs> I didn't know that you probably heard that before you probably heard before tonight, don't speak evil of your brother. You probably heard before tonight that God controls your future. Anybody hear that before? Yeah, you probably heard that before. Except you hear it so much you can kind of start to presume, to know better. But you don't. So what should you do? Do right now. Now, not tomorrow. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. This is how the passage ends. It comes down, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. There are people in your life that you need to make things right with. And if you are assuming, ah, I, when I'm up to that, you are then stating, I'm presuming, I have the time to do it later. You don't. Friend, it's not your life. It belongs to God. Well, I know I should be more involved. I know I should come. To, well, you're here Sunday night, so you're the Sunday night crowd. Maybe this works better on a Sunday morning. But maybe you're thinking, well, I know I should come on a Wednesday night. or I know I should come here then. I know I should be more involved. But, you know, my life is just busy. Are you living out the way that God intended you to live when he gave you the breath to live? Well, I know I, if these words come out of your mouth, I know I should to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not. It's not just faithlessness, friend. It's it's sin. It's sin. Don't Don't presume to put yourself above God's law. Man, to hear what those politicians did to our Constitution, we can talk a long time about that and get fired up. Yeah, but did you hear what so-and-so said to me the other day? Well that's wrong how well i know but you know it's, just, it's not that big of a deal is it or is it not do right now do right now do right now every head bowed every eye closed